Good morning. Good morning. So the passage that we are going to be studying today actually creates a call and response. And I know some of you are familiar with this. We actually did one last week at our 8.30 communion service. Pastor Pete, Pastor Pete led the congregation in a call to worship. And so today we're going to do our reading of Scripture in a different way. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Go ahead, you can stand. And we're going to actually do this as a call to worship. Don't worry, the, the passage is short. I'm going to start us out. You guys are going to conclude. Are you ready? I see some kids in the room. Make sure you're representing. I want to hear your voices. Okay, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The word of the Lord. You can be seated. I know what you guys are thinking. She said money. You're worried that this is just going to be another stewardship message time out. Can I promise you guys up front that we're not going to be talking about finances today. We're not going to be talking about tithing. We're not going to be talking about building funds. What I want to talk to you about today is fear. I know, what does the love of money or greed have to do with fear? I believe that the writer of Hebrews is touching on something that we don't like to admit, that greed actually is driven by fear. This passage, this call and response is a little bit different because it's actually God that is saying these things to us. He's saying, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And the writer of Hebrews says, because God says this to us, we get to respond in confidence with, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? This may seem out of place when you think about how it starts with verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. But we know from Hebrews chapter 10 that this was a church that had seen persecution. They have had their property confiscated. This is a body of believers that knew loss. They had experienced fear. And when we are faced with loss and fear, our response is often to just control everything. If I just work hard enough, I'm not going to lose my job. If I just save enough money, I'm not ever going to have to depend on anyone. If I just do enough things for this other person, they're never going to leave me. If I just do everything on the CDC checklist, my loved ones, my, I will not get sick. The author of Hebrews 
puts this call and response at the closing of his message as a challenge to the believers to not be afraid, to not put their faith in things like money, but instead to put their faith in God who says he will never leave them, he will never forsake them. But maybe you're not sold on this idea that greed, the love of money, is driven by fear. Psychology Today did an article back in 2012 called Greed, the Ultimate Addiction. In the article, it says, what makes an addiction is that enough is never enough. People who are addicted to gathering wealth are driven by fear. The article goes on to say that underneath it all, the person is really in distress, suffering from depression, anxiety, guilt, shame, which all stem from the deep down fear that they are not good enough. A Harvard Business School professor named Michael Norton studies the connection between happiness and wealth. In 2017, he published a paper where he interviewed over 2,000 people that had a net worth of at least a million dollars, some of them many more than that. And he asked them two questions. Number one, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you? And the second question, how much more money would you need to be at a 10? What do you think Norton's research said, I'm going to tell you, don't worry. Basically, everyone says they'd need two or three times as much to be perfectly happy, to be what the Bible calls content. Church family, this should not surprise you. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men to ever exist, was once asked, how much money is enough money? It's a very famous quote. You know what he said? Just a little bit more. <laughs> the Bible warns against the love of money because it is an addiction, because it will consume you, because it will distance you from God, because it will take your focus away from the things that matter. The Bible lovingly warns against the love of money because God does not want you to spend your life going after something that's never going to be enough. We see this cycle of greed played out in a parable that Jesus told about a rich fool in Luke 12. And he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat drink, and be merry. We're going to pause right here. So the rich man believes that he has stored up a nuts to be perfectly happy, to be content, 
that he is going to be able to live without fear. He sits on top of his mountain of grain. You guys all know the feeling or can imagine it. He has a garage full of hand sanitizer. Oh, it feels good, huh? He has a pantry chock full of toilet paper. He has one of those giant freezers just full of meat. This rich man believes that he's going to be able to sit back and just enjoy from afar for the world. He'll be able to sit it out for a few years with no concern, free of fear. He's going to eat, drink, be merry, perfectly happy, content. But that's not the end of the story. But God said to him, you fool. I love Jesus, so dramatic. You fool. (laughs) This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. We know from the research that even if the rich man would have lived, it was never going to be enough. He was probably always going to be filled with anxiety and fear, worried that something was going to happen to his grain. Maybe I should get just a little bit more just in case, just in case something happens. We know that he felt this way because we all know that you can lose your property and wealth in a heartbeat. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Did you hear that? Life is not the sum of the things you have accumulated. Your value is not found in the things that you own or your accomplishments. Church family, this is such good news. When we are facing a national crisis, isn't it nice to know that your value is not in your job? That your value is not in the dollar amount in your bank account? That your value comes from God alone? The call and response in this passage is a reminder of who God says you are. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hear the love in this statement. Only God can promise this. Even when you lose everything else, you can't lose him. And our response to that kind of love is to say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Galatians 4, 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Did you catch that? The creator of everything calls you his child and his heir. Church family, we do not have to live in fear because we are the beloved children of the almighty God, the creator of everything. Now I know what you're thinking at this point. So Sarah, are you saying that it's wrong to accumulate wealth? The Bible doesn't say that here. 
Look at Hebrews 13:5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. It doesn't say give all your money away, although Jesus did ask someone to do that. This verse is dealing with the heart. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. This goes against everything our American culture tells us. It tells us to always want more. How much more? Rockefeller said it, just a little bit more. We want the newest apps, the latest gadgets, the biggest and the best. We want to feel like we're in the know. We want to be hip. We want to be with it. We want to be cool. We want to be modern. There's a term for this in the business world. It's called consumer culture. Consumer culture is a theory in in strategic marketing that looks at the relationship consumers have with products. How many of us are in a relationship with a product? Maybe for you, it's a car or a hobby and you spend all of your time dreaming and researching and thinking about how can I get that next thing? How can I get that thing that's going to make me perfectly happy, content? Or maybe like me, this week I had to admit that I'm in a relationship with two products. I don't, I can't, I don't want to be without these items because they make me feel connected. Todd Goldsmith is texting me. (laughs) They make me feel connected. They make me feel like I'm in relationship with people. They make me happy. Now, I'm not saying that hobbies and electronics are intrinsically bad. Remember that we're talking about the heart. What I'm saying is if you are looking to God, if you are looking to anything else besides God for your value, for security, for contentment, it's going to come up short. Jesus is better because he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When you invest in the things of the kingdom of God, they are lasting. When you invest in things that are of this world, when you build up bigger barns for yourself, it's not going to lead to contentment, and it's never going to be enough. Many of you know that I worked as a social worker for about 10 years in foster care and adoptions. And when I would meet with families to go over what to expect, one of the things we would talk about is hoarding. Kids who have grown up with insecurities will often hide things like food and other items. So I tell the foster adopt parents, um, sorry, I tell the foster and adopt parents to be prepared for kids to maybe hide food under their bed or in their closets. Or if you give them a new pair of shoes, they might not wear them. Instead, you might find them hidden somewhere in the house. Why do kids do this? Because they're afraid. Because they have gone without, they have experienced loss, and they are having trouble trusting. Some of you have experienced loss. 
Maybe it was a loved one, a job, or a relationship, your health, your freedom, and you are hoarding things away because you are afraid and you are having trouble trusting God right now. The reason the preacher in Hebrews makes the believers stop at the end and do this call in response is because they had lost things. They had lived in fear, and he knew that they needed these words to pour over them like honey. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And when they accept that promise from God, they can respond The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? We know from the predictive pandemic models that tough times are ahead. Many of us will face loss, mental and physical health crisis, loss of job, insecurity, instability, exhaustion. Many of you are already there. In Hebrews, we find our response to this. Jesus is better. He will never leave you or forsake you. You can lose everything else and you cannot lose him. Whatever else happens is temporary. His love is eternal. I would Tell the foster and adoptive parents what to do if the child placed with them begins to hoard things. I would say first, love that child. Be consistent. Let them know that there is food in the home that is just for them. And once they see that they can depend on you, that they can have their needs met by you, they will stop hoarding, they will learn to trust, and they will find their place in your family. Can I tell you, church family, that is what God has done. God sent his son Jesus to make space for you. Jesus said, you can trust me. What I go to do at the cross is for you. I am going to make a place for you. I am paying the bride price so that you and can come, church family, and be with me in my Father's house. We know this from John 14. In John 13, which Pastor Pete talked about a couple of weeks ago, we find Jesus with his disciples. He's washing their feet. It's this beautiful moment. And then after it's over, Jesus just starts talking about how he's going to be denied. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be abandoned. And if you stopped at chapter 13, just like the disciples, you would be filled with fear. But Jesus doesn't do that. Even in the midst of everything that he was going to face, he stops to comfort the disciples, to comfort us. And he says, but wait. On the other side of this, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, you guys. But on the other side of this, I am going to make space for you. I am the way and the truth and the life. Oh, and by the way, by the way, You are not going to be alone because when I go, the advocate is coming. The Holy Spirit, your helper, is going to come and be with you forever. 
my church family, you can trust God. Let go of the things of this world that you are holding on to because what Jesus is offering is better. Do not spend your time loving money or things. They will not bring you contentment. Do not waste your life storing up things because you think they will bring you security, that they will drive away your fear, that they will make you worthy. Only God's love drives out fear. God is the only one capable of saying that he will never leave you. Even death could not keep us from his love. God calls you his child, his heir. You are worthy. You have value. Because the creator of the universe calls you his own. So now I'm going to have you guys in a moment stand with me. And we're going to do the call and response one more time. But this time, I'm going to invite the worship team up. Sorry, I forgot to say that. Come on up. Um, But this time, I'm going to have you guys stand and hold out your hands. I want you to think about, as you've been sitting here, what has God brought to mind for you during this message that you are holding back from him? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's your time. What are you keeping back from God? And I want you to imagine holding that out in your hands, offering it to the Lord. And if during this time that I've been talking, nothing has come to mind, I ask that you hold out your hands and ask God to search your heart. Is there something I am keeping from you? And if there is, take it. So go ahead and stand up with me, church family. Hold out those hands. And let's do this call and response one more time. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Amen.